right, welcome to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I'm your host, Jordan Overturf, and my guest this week is August Fluger, Republican congressional candidate who won his primary outright in March there in Texas 11 and now goes on to face a Democrat in November. August joined us on the podcast last week, but before we get to that, we do have a few housekeeping items to attend to. Uh, this Thursday at 7 p.m., there will be a virtual Trump training uh, going on, a virtual Trump victory training going on at 7 p.m. The guest speaker will be uh, John Pence. So again, Thursday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., Trump victory virtual training that is going to be going on. If you want more details or to register, you can go to trumpvictory.com. Also, are you a Texas YR and you want to be a delegate to the RPT State Convention in Houston this July? Well, YR Rachel Malone has all the info you need. She joined us again for another uh, video presentation on our county and Senate district conventions. And this is a crucial step. If you want to be a delegate to RPT State Convention this July, you need to make sure you attend your county or Senate district convention. And Rachel lays all this out. We had great response from Rachel uh, or from people who are watching these videos. Uh, we really appreciate Appreciate Rachel stepping up at this time to help inform YRs about how they get engaged in the process. So if you want to learn about what it is uh, to be at a county or Senate district state convention, you want to find out how to become a state delegate, make sure you check out this video on our Texas YR YouTube channel. Uh, we'll make sure and include a link in the show uh, details as well so you can get to it from there. Finally, if you are a young Republican, you want young Republican and you want to help keep Texas red in 2020, uh, I need you to go to TexasYR.gop right now. Sign up for our alerts. Make sure you're following Texas YRs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Texas YRs. This is going to be a crucial step to make sure that you are informed and know when we have days of action coming up, when we're going to be doing uh, digital days of action, where you're reaching out through your social media platforms or you're texting friends. We'll also have phone banking, uh, block walking, all of this stuff. We are ramping up as Texas gets back open. So does the Texas YR fight to keep Texas red in 2020. So if you want to learn more about that, remember, go to texasyr.gop and make sure you sign up for alerts or follow us on social media. I know Matt Dorsey will certainly appreciate you doing that. All right, housekeeping out of the way. I appreciate August Fluger for taking some time last week to sit down with us, meet via Zoom to talk about his race, uh, talk about coronavirus, his military experience, all the things that have helped him uh, better understand what it takes to get through this process, right? And he talks about wanting to have more military voices there in Congress. So I appreciate him joining us last week. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, August Fluger. All right, August, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Uh, first, I want to start off, how are you and your family managing during this uh, pandemic response? Well, Jordan, first off, you know, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, to talk conservative principles. I appreciate the time. And, you know, our, our family is doing well. I, I have three daughters. My wife and I, uh, probably like a lot of other folks that have children, have, have learned to uh, adapt into that um, homeschooling role. And I will tell you one thing, we have a deep, deep appreciation. Not that we didn't, because my wife is an educator. She was a teacher and a counselor, but we have a deeper appreciation. For the teachers every single day, what they're doing. Uh, so 
you know, we're uh, we're doing the best we can um, with uh, with that environment. And I think the kids seem to be uh, taking uh, taking well to the, the education. There haven't been any uh, any major issues yet, so that's good. So, uh, were you and your wife relieved when you heard that the rest of the school year was going to be shut down? What was uh, your family's response when you got that news? You know, I, I think for the safety of you know taking the precautionary steps to make sure that the virus does not continue to spread and that we flatten that curve, if you will, yes. On the other hand, uh, you know, we, we see a misvalue in the children being in school, uh, not just for ours, but for a lot of other folks. So uh, it was mixed emotions, I think, on, uh, you know, on that news. So uh, I want to give folks a chance to learn a little bit more about you that some of them might not have been following your race there in CD11. So can you just take us back uh, and give us a quick rundown on your background and experience? No, you bet. Uh, so I grew up here in this district. I'm a seventh generation Texan. I grew up in a ranching family. Um, most of my life uh, outside of living on a ranch outside of San Angelo, lived in San Angelo, went to the school here, graduated high school here, have uh, a ton of family that, that lives in and around uh, San Angelo. After graduating high school, went to the Air Force Academy and I spent two decades active duty. I'm still a reserve officer, but I was a fighter pilot, deployed all over the world, uh, lived on multiple different continents, have worked in the Pentagon, worked in NATO, um, studied at uh, some of the uh, military institutions around the world, uh, and most recently worked at the White House for President Trump on the National Security Council. And then at that point in time, last summer, we made the decision to uh, unexpectedly uh, run for Congress here in District 11. So, uh, you know, we had every intention of continuing our military career, and uh, this uh, was something that, uh, like I said, was unexpected, but we took the step in faith that this was uh, the plan for us, the path for our family, and uh, we're, we're just absolutely um, you know, humbled to uh, to have won the, the nomination, uh, and especially without a runoff. Uh, but really, more than that, we're looking forward uh, to continuing um, service from a military career that now extends into Congress uh, and, and being able to do uh, even more and, and be helpful to not just this district, the entire country. Yeah, a lot of the veterans that I've interviewed really highlight the fact that they want to have more veteran voices in Congress. Uh, you know, for you, as you look down the road to November, uh, how do you balance uh, being that advocate with also uh, fighting for the needs of your constituents? Well, Jordan, I think they're they're one and the same thing. It's it's service, and it starts. It's really an attitude. It's a mentality, and the fact that we have eighteen percent currently. Uh, the members that are serving that have military experience. And to me, that's, that's shockingly low, uh, especially when you consider post-World War II levels where, you know, we had you know, 75 plus percent uh, of Congress that had that. And, and I think it, it's not, it's not to say that my experiences are uh, as a service member are going to be better than somebody who has a small business or uh, does something else, but I, it really is a mentality. And, and I think you see it uh, for somebody who understands service before self um, you know, just take a look at Dan Crenshaw, uh, somebody that I look up to immensely, and I believe that um, that mentality is something that we need in Congress because if you have that mentality of service before self, you understand then what your district needs. It's not about one person. It's about taking care of your district, understanding their needs, and fighting every single day for those needs. And that's exactly what I plan to do and why I think having that 
military background will serve me well uh, to help this district. Yeah, Texas got a couple of veterans uh, that in the freshman class last time around. Uh, so uh, obviously, shout out to Congressman Crenshaw, uh, Congressman Taylor up in the North Texas area. Uh, so while we're uh, discussing military experience, did any part of your military service uh, come in handy as you prepared your family for this response? Uh, and do you have any advice for people as they look down the road and kind of prepare for the future? You know, it does. And when, when you look at military plans and I was deployed, you know, recently for a year and drawing up operational plans as we fought against ISIS, you know, one of the most uh, incredibly evil enemies that we've ever seen on the face of this earth, you, you know, the, the response to ISIS was a step-by-step -step approach of many different lines of effort. Uh, throughout our entire Department of Defense, all the uh, the alliance members that we had, just an incredible teamwork uh, approach. And so when we're looking at the response to COVID, I think that you can draw a lot of parallels and similarities between what we've done, you know, as a military. I mean, operational planning is, is something that the military does on a daily basis. The COVID response and what President Trump has done, and then filtering out the federal help and the support and kind of that framework to the state level, and then all the way down to the local level, I see a ton of similarities. Um, and you know, our campaign has been right there on the local level here throughout the district. I mean, we're talking 29 counties, assisting those counties. We're in constant communication with judges and mayors and the local elected officials and state representatives to see how we can be helpful what information we can provide. One example of this is we were talking to some some philanthropists uh, in the district that really wanted to be helpful. And, and they said, what do you think we can do? Well, just uh, the day before, I'd had a conversation with a county judge in a rural county that had no protective gear. I mean, literally, their hospital had run out uh, or was about five or six days of running out um, gloves and masks and things that, uh, you know, they it wouldn't normally need at such a high rate. And so we connected the two of these individuals. And it, you know, it's, it's things like that, that you know, I think the similarities of, of military planning, you look and see where the vulnerabilities are and you try to make a difference. In that case, we were able to uh, make a difference. So as you look at the response from uh, CD11, uh, how do you gauge how citizens there have been uh, taking this in stride? Uh, as they, you know, have the balance between what urban areas of Texas are dealing with versus what the rural parts of Texas are facing uh, as we get ready to reopen? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, the, the Permian Basin, uh, a large portion of the Permian Basin sits within Congressional District 11. And so um, it's taken a tremendous economic uh, downturn uh, in, in the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, along with the demand destruction of oil and gas around the world, and these two things that have come together and coalesced into uh, a truly uh, difficult time, challenging time. So uh, I'll start by saying that the, the oil and gas industry is really suffering right now. To me, this is a national security issue. We won World War II because we had a supply of oil that allowed us to go into two different theaters, both in the Pacific and the European theater, and do what we needed to do with, with enough fuel to get the job done. Right now, in the last quarter of 2019, we just achieved energy independence. Really what that means is we are a net exporter of oil for the first time in 70 years. 
at 13 million barrels, approximately 13 million barrels a day, and 40% of that, which is produced in the Permian Basin. So the response and the magnitude of the impacts, there's been several nationwide articles uh, in the media that have focused on Midland and Odessa, Texas, saying that they are the hardest hit areas in the entire country. And we cannot, we cannot forget that. Uh, because 40% of our oil and gas is coming from there. Like I said, this is a national security issue. So um, we've got to make sure that we keep in mind when we're recovering from this pandemic, uh, that we focus on what Midland and Odessa are doing. Uh, and yes, free market is fine, but when we have Saudi Arabia and Russia in a, um, in a dispute and flooding the market with their product, we're very, very grateful uh, and, and proud of President Trump for listening to the Permian Basin we orchestrated several phone calls with industry leaders from the Permian and the administration to let the administration really hear from these independent producers about what the impacts were. And the administration listened. They took the right steps. They got some of the diplomacy going. And uh, you know, now we're starting to see step one, which is OPEC and OPEC plus cutting back their production uh, by approximately 10 million barrels per day. So that's, that's going to be very helpful. Uh, as you go into the agriculture sector and some of the rural areas, I mean, folks are hurting. Uh, I talked today to um, a lady here in San Angelo that owns a salon, and, you know, it's uh, it's a very challenging time. Uh, multiple weeks of not being able to see people wanting the economy to open back up, yet still balancing that with the safety and the health standards that we need. So, Jordan, I, I can't say it enough, but uh, folks are, are definitely optimistic. Uh, this part of the world, we have that Texas spirit, that never-say-die attitude, that's going to we will prevail. We will emerge stronger. But people are hurting out here. And we're trying to do everything we can as a campaign to link them up with the right help uh, and get them moving in the right direction. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people understand uh, how many downstream effects there are from the oil industry, oil and gas industry in Texas suffering like it has. Uh, and so for, for that district alone, you ha kind of have two stages of recovery that you're facing, not just the local businesses that have had to shut down under these orders. You know, fortunately, those are starting to open up and those steps are being taken. But as you look at the response for your district, what is the thing that you are focusing most on in terms of requests from your representatives? What is the thing that constituents in CD11 need most at this time? Well, I think it's getting the economy going. You know, and whether it's the oil and gas industry or the small businesses, both of those are going to reflect on the level of economic activity. And you know, the oil and gas industry will do well when that activity starts to pick back up. And so really it's doing it in a safe way. And, you know, I, I am grateful again for leadership from, from the president. Uh, and you know, we saw Governor Abbott starting to phase out how the economy is going to open up. So, you know, really trying to be an advocate for why that, that economic activity needs to continue. And, you know, we're going to have to adapt um, on whether it's social distancing or making the, uh, having less capacity in restaurants and things, we are going to have to adapt, but I think uh, the country needs it. You know, we don't, uh, we don't need stagnation any longer. So that really is the number one thing that we're, we're focused on. 
Now, speaking of adapting, campaigns have really had to find new ways to engage with their uh, voters, to find ways to continue to communicate whatever the messaging is. I'm curious, from uh, you and your campaign's perspective, what have you done to stay engaged with voters? Well, you know, just last night we had a teletown hall, and our special guest on that town hall was the current congressman for District 11, Mike Conway. And so what we attempted to do there, and I thought I uh, got very good positive feedback from around the district, was uh, let people call in and ask their questions and discuss their issues. And, and you know, what better way uh, than for our campaign, which has completely pivoted towards helping um, and, and being a hub of information, than to provide that direct access to Congressman Conway to see what's being done and how you know, how we can continue to to help people get to where they need. Uh, the second thing, Jordan, that um, that, I, that I'd like to comment on is that, that we are very engaged uh, with the, the Texas congressional races, as you know and are well aware of, and uh, have, have had many podcasts on. There's lots of uh, open seats here, and so you know we're trying to be helpful. Uh, a lot of those folks have already won some of their primaries. And so making sure that we keep Texas red, that we continue in an effort to flip the House, take the House back, um, that is something that our campaign is extremely focused on. So we're having uh, daily calls with candidates around Texas and throughout the country, quite honestly, um, that uh, we're trying to be as helpful as we possibly can to link up folks that want to support those candidates. Excellent. Yeah. And we've had uh, uh, quite a few of those candidates on this podcast, and we look forward to having more of those folks come on. Uh, for you and your campaign, what's next? Well, you know, we're, we're going to continue uh, to do what we can to be helpful. We've got a couple of different projects that are focused in the Permian Basin. We're looking at uh, the rural hospitals, and we're trying to help out. So right now, at this very moment, we're preparing uh, a couple of uh, two-page documents for the rural hospitals to let them know how they can get the care because not every hospital is the same and especially in these rural areas and those hospitals quite frankly are extremely vulnerable uh, in this crisis and this pandemic and so we're trying to let them know a we know who you are and we care about your success uh, in your communities and b we're going to be there right right there with you along the way if you try to get the help that you need and be a resource of information whether it's connecting you with the right people or helping you fill out the application. So those are really the things that we're doing uh, in the short term. And that's great to hear you stepping up that level of service before you even, uh, you know, have the chance to take office. Uh, I mean, th this is part of the discussion right now, right? What are the kitchen table conversations going on? Uh, as you have conversations with elected officials in CD11, uh, with voters, with your family, what do you think voters will be discussing now that we are in this early phase of opening up businesses in Texas? You know, we got a sense of that on the teletown hall right now uh, from last night that right now folks are interested in, you know, how are their small businesses and their, you know, whatever way they make a living, whether it's agriculture or oil and gas, you know, they, they want to know that somebody is listening they want to know that the help that is being offered is being, you know, is having an impact um, and, and having the right impact. And then they also want to know that not just for people listening, but um, as somebody who is seeking office, are our elected officials listening and then also translating that into feedback to make the system better, whether it's at the local level or the state level or the federal level. So 
Uh, you know, I know that the conversations with the small businesses that we've had just in the last 48 hours revolve around providing feedback uh, here in the state of Texas on trying to get, you know, as much economic activity going while still being sensitive to the fact that, you know, look, I've got uh, several family members who are physicians that work in hospitals and are at risk, just like a lot of people. And we cannot say thank you enough to those frontline workers for what they are doing, putting their lives at risk to try to continue uh, to flatten this curve and, and get our country back going. But, um, while we're doing that, the word adaptation comes back to mind. That, you know, people are willing to adapt, to keep the standards high for safety, yet get back to work. Yeah, adapt and overcome. The Texas motto has uh, has uh, rang true and helped us through this process and gotten us to this uh, very crucial point where we can open our economy back up. Uh, I want to go back a bit to the March primary, right? Texas ha has these very interesting primaries where you'll have these open seats pop up and for one reason or another, there'll only be a couple people vying in one seat or like in CD 11, some of the other districts, you have a bunch of people that uh, show up who are vying for the chance to uh, represent these districts. So for you, what do you think it was about yourself or the campaign that helped you stand out and gain victory outright uh, back in March? Jordan, I, I think it starts with one thing. People are tired of politicians. They are tired of uh, self-serving individuals who you know, just want to use it for personal gain. And I think it's refreshing to have what, you know, whether it's me with my military background, uh, you know, or other, other folks that are running uh, like Beth Van Dyne who have proven their service uh, by being a mayor and, you know, just a constant servant leader. And so what we saw here in district 11, I mean, there's 29 counties. We went to every single one of the 29 counties have contact with every single judge, sat down and met with, whether it was Republican women's organizations that are doing amazing grassroots work, uh, and really built a team across this district. Um, and I think that that made a huge difference. We were visible, we made the effort, um, even before the candidate forum started, well before they started, in fact. Uh, we had 25,000 miles on our truck before December. Wow. And, you know, that, that was, I, I think, you know, that's a testimony to just, you know, how actively engaged we were in building that network of people who really matter. When we, hit, when we have a pandemic like COVID-19, you need to have those phone numbers and you need to understand that calling those folks. I mean, I cannot tell you how many people on March 15th, because I started reaching out and asking county judges how we can be helpful, how many of those folks said, you're the first person to call, uh, which blew my mind. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of folks that are trying to do good things and it takes time to get those phone calls, but I think that's what people are looking for. They want to know that their voice is heard and having that connectivity at the grassroots level is really the number one thing that helped us stand out as a servant leader. Now talk about the complexities of managing a response like this across 29 counties, which are having 29 different experiences with this uh, response with how the virus has come into their county. You know, uh, I, I think so many people get caught up in their individual perspective that it's hard to wrangle, you know, something as big as CD 11 and understand 
the various decisions that have to be made for a district that large? Well, look, I think um, before I answer that, let me just say that, you know, um, when it comes to, to principled views, the, the lines between the federal government and the state government in answering this question are very important. And I truly believe that the state responses and the state governments having the ability to coordinate with the local governments is one of the most important things that we're going to look back and, and debrief and see how did we do. Um, you know, the federal government is there, in my opinion, uh, to lay a framework and to be helpful and to keep its citizens safe. And, and then really let the states do their work. And so in the case of a congressman, the way that I would view my job would be as an assistant, as, as, a, as a help to the citizens, because the governor, in, in concert with the judges and the mayors uh, and the local governments, is really kind of the driving force there. Um, and they're following the federal lead, which we have. And I think President Trump uh, has done a nice job of letting the states do what they need to do by kind of setting a baseline amount of guidance. And so orchestrating a 29-county response, really, I think it's, you know, it's more than that. It's, it's Texas orchestrating their response. And as, as a, you know, congressional hopeful, being helpful to the citizens in those 29 counties work in the cases, because I know Congressman Conway's office is, he has six offices in the district, and they are constantly working casework to help people, whether it's uh, make sure that their Social Security is still good or get their stimulus payments um, or their you know, uh, PPP applications in. So these are the kind of things that a congressional office yeah, and it's been great to see uh, those elected officials who are doing that. They're constantly reaching out. They're constantly on the phone, getting updates either from the state or the federal level. Um, for you, as you look at the federal response and specifically how Congress has been acting, I'm kind of curious what strategies are going through your mind uh, had you been in D.C. for this yo-yo you know, leadership from Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, you know, do you think it's fair uh, for Pelosi to call off Congress coming back when they should have the instruments necessary to uh, continue work on behalf of their constituents? Well, for, you know, I, you're being generous in your uh, terms, yo-yo uh, leadership. Um, I think it's just absolutely a, a crying shame that what we're seeing is partisan politics at a time when the country needs help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, McCarthy and his team and all of the Republicans are focused on getting the safety measures in place and the assistance that they need. And they're just constantly being held up by, by Pelosi and Democrats who want to, you know, probably open up another um, impeachment investigation during this time, yeah. which wouldn't surprise me. Um, but nothing is surprising there. And so I, that, that to me is truly disgusting to see uh, the partisan politics played out, you know, from, from speaking politics. So, uh, I, you know, I just, I think strategy wise, you know, kind of going back to your question, the thing that, that we really need is, is leadership and in the time of crisis where some run away from the fire and some run towards it. And, you know, I think, again, that's where some military background does have some benefits that you see people like Van Taylor and Dan Crenshaw running towards that fire to help out, to provide ideas that are actually going to help get this economy stimulated while responding in a measured and appropriate way to the coronavirus. 
Yeah, well, it will be interesting to see some of the oversight that comes as Congress does get back to work, which we'll have to wait and see when Pelosi, uh, I guess, decides to do that. But for now, you've got plenty of work to do in your uh, district reaching out to voters. Uh, as we wrap up here, my last question to you, what is your message to voters in CD11? Well, um, you know, Jordan, thank you for having me today. It's, uh, it is nice to, to talk some of these conservative principles. And, and I think going forward, you know, my message is, A, thank you for uh, allowing me to be the nominee, the Republican nominee for Congressional District 11. We don't take that lightly. We're, we're getting to work already. Uh, we're building those relationships so that on day one in January of 2021, we can absolutely make a difference. Uh, and, and my message to CD11 is that I'm going to fight every single day, just like we've been taught to do, just like I've been doing for several decades in the military. We're going to listen. We're going to have that those relationships throughout the entire district. We're focused on making sure that the Permian Basin and our oil and gas industry continues to be an instrument of power, a strategic asset for this country. We're focused on making sure that our agriculture is the same way. We've got an Air Force base in San Angelo, Texas that trains 12,000 intelligence personnel uh, that are doing work right now. Despite coronavirus, they're out there 365 days a year, 24 hours a day around the world. And so my message is that for all three of those sectors and all the small businesses, we're going to fight for the voice and we're going to be accessible. Uh, and we appreciate uh, and are humbled to be the nominee. So thank you for having me today and, and allowing me a chance to talk. I hope that we get to do this again. Excellent. Well, our military certainly are essential to our safety and our national security. August, we appreciate you and your service and congratulations again on uh, winning the primary. Uh, let's try and bring you back on before November so we can uh, talk again about what voters are going to be thinking about as they head to the polls in November. Uh, for those who want to connect with your campaign and uh, help you get out for your second launch after this coronavirus stuff passes, where can they find you? Where's your website, social media links, all that stuff? Yeah, that's a great point. www.augustfluger.com. That'll take you to our website. From there, you can go to the Facebook account or the Twitter account. Lots of links throughout to uh, to get us, you know, get get connected and, and allow us to do what we can to help. August, thank you again. I appreciate your time. Uh, have a great one on the campaign, and we'll see you down the road. Jordan, thanks for what you do, and thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Thank you again to August for joining us. I appreciate him and his time, uh, taking time away from the family uh, to talk with us. I know he is working hard to stay engaged with his constituents, find out about everything going on in CD11. Uh, so we certainly appreciate him. We appreciate all of our candidates who have come on. If you want to be a guest on the Big Texas Podcast, make sure you hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. You can also follow Texas YR, send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Texas YRs. I appreciate you, friends. We're going to keep this uh, show rolling right along. November is right around the corner, so stay active, stay engaged. Till then, friends, see you down the road. <laughs>